Okay, so uh, looking at the time, we're going to have to really sprint through this. And I say that every week, but it's always like a half-hour sprint, right? So um, this will be uh, a follow-up from last week. If you're, if you're new with us today, we are, um, have been doing a series in the book of Hosea. But we've decided to take a little break from Hosea and do what we're calling a series within a series. I'm not trying to trip with your mind. Just, that's just what we're doing. Uh, so a series within a series, and we're doing it on idolatry. Because Hosea was confronting the sin of idolatry with Israel. So we're trying to look at various idols that we struggle with um, here in our lives. So we identified the first one last week, and it was what? The idol of love, okay? And, uh, and so I wanted to do a follow-up to that because um, I wanted to make sure we, we got into some pra- practical stuff with you guys in this area. And plus... I mean, the idol of love is the one that, that almost all of us, well, really all of us, can easily fall prey to, right? I mean, it's kind of, it's built into us to have, you know, relationship with the opposite sex. God created us for that. So it's obviously, it's built into us, but even something that's so good like that can still become idolatrous if we're not careful. And so we're, we're taking two weeks on this, and uh, I, I was going to try to do this um, my attempt is going to be to do all this in, in one, in one uh, setting, so we'll see how this goes. But I want to tell you first off, though, um, I am actually uh, cheating a little bit today because normally whatever we do is straight um, out of the Bible, and there will be some Bible today. Um, don't get me wrong on that. But um, what I'm teaching from today, believe it or not, there were two uh, blogs. You guys know what blogs are, of course. There were two blogs that were on... Uh, some notes for guys and some notes for the ladies that were forwarded to me recently on Facebook. And I read these and thought, these are excellent. And I don't want to, um, uh, you know, reinvent the wheel, so to speak. So I am literally teaching these point by point. And yes, I got them off the internet, right? And, uh, but here's the really cool part. Uh, they, they incorporate scripture throughout, but a lot of these are principles that people have, have lived through, and, and, and they're, they're biblically-based principles, right? But um, the second thing I want you to know is that don't worry about taking notes because you guys are each going to get each blog entry in their entirety. So um, the girls will exit today out of that door, and you'll get the, gir- the one for the girls. The guys will exit out of that door over there, and you'll get the one for the guys. And so you will get this in its entirety, and it's full the way I found it, um, the way it was given to me recently. But um, so I want to get that out of the way. Uh, so this, the, the people that wrote these blogs, um, Brandon Anderson wrote the one for the guys, and a girl named uh, Jen uh, Smith wrote one for the ladies. And so you guys will get those handouts at the very end today. And uh, so just first off, relationships are not evil. If, if you came away last week thinking that I was saying that relationships are evil, then you're evil for thinking that, right? So um, that's not my intent. That was not my intent last week to, to communicate that to you. But I, I will say that good things can still become idols, and so often that's what becomes idols because we don't see it coming. We don't see it coming. And so they're not evil. God created them. He created us for relationship, not just with him but with other people and with the opposite sex. So when the time is right, here's the question. When the time is right, what do you do, right? So my goal today is, is giving you some practical advice on how to make sure these things don't become idolatrous to you, but... When the time is right in your life, what should you do, right? And, and so on the one hand, I, I don't want to sit here and, and say, um, say that uh, 
that, that you should never pursue someone for a relationship. That's just not true. That's not biblical, right? But I do want to let you know, some of what I'm going to say today will apply to you now. Some's going to apply later. My job is to prepare you not just for tomorrow, but for the next years of your life. And so that's what we're going to do today. So my first part of the talk is going to be for the guys. But the girls can still listen in because they will need to make sure that the guy they end up with is this kind of guy. So ladies, listen up. Guys, listen up. So here's the, um, the first point I want to make for the men. When should you pursue someone for a relationship? Here's my rule of thumb. You don't pursue anybody for a relationship if you're a guy until you are walking with Jesus yourself and she is walking with Jesus and you have the ability in your life to move in the direction of marriage. Now, I'm not saying that um, your first date with someone you're going to discuss like wedding cake flavors. I'm not saying that you should jump the gun here, but what I am saying is that, listen, what I am saying is that when, when you should not really be pursuing someone in a relationship as a guy until your life is to the point where you could potentially get married in the fairly near future. So that really eliminates a lot of high school shenanigans, right? And so, for a lot of you, it's, it's better for you to wait until you're into college and beyond because you're not even close to getting married to someone, right? Now, there's always exceptions. I can think of one person that I knew in my life. He was in eighth grade. She was in eighth grade. And, and they somehow did it the right way, like all the way through. He didn't even kiss her until he got married to her. It's, it's amazing. They finished college dated the whole way through, just very godly couple. To this day, they have like six kids. They're adopting orphans. They're like the, the, the primo couple that I've seen pull this off. Now, so can it be done? Yeah, I guess it can, but very small percentage of people actually do it that way, right? And so for the guy, um, that's what you should wait for. So point number one, the man always pursues the woman intentionally. And so what I'm going to do, this is what should happen. This is what should be happening. Um, it's not always what happens, but um, so what does that mean, intentional? The way it's described here, go to my next slide. The intentional man repeatedly and constantly goes first and takes on all the risk of rejection. So yes, guys, you're the one that gets to take on that risk uh, for her. He always lets the girl know where he stands so she feels secure and isn't left guessing. So we're going to look at several scenarios where we can apply this intentional versus not intentional. When I was dating, uh, well, I wasn't really dating her yet, but I was sort of pursuing the person who would be my wife, Courtney. Um, there was a moment where see, she and I met, and I got her number, I called her, and we started pursuing this friendship. But here's the deal. Um, I had to like go pursue time with her to get to know her. Our paths did not cross unless we made our paths cross, right? And so we were hanging out a little bit, and about a month into it, she was right to ask the question. She's like, okay, so what, what are your intentions here? And I'm sitting there going, okay, no one's ever asked me that before. And so obviously I expressed, yes, I'm interested in you and so on. So she was right to ask me the question because I wasn't being clear about my intentions with her. She was right to ask me the question. So here's the question. How do you pursue a girl intentionally if you're a guy? So let's just talk about little scenarios here. So if you're 
if you're walking with God, she's walking with God, and, and you, you, you like her, you want to ask her out, um, approaching her for the first time in this way, intentional looks like this. Hi, I'd like to take you out on a date. All right? Maybe not the first time you talk to her, but at some point, you need to verbalize your intentions. Now, unintentional looks like this. Uh, so, uh, you want to hang out sometime? Maybe. That's unintentional. Unintentional. So here's, here's the deal, guys. Listen, listen. If any guy in this room, if I hear about this, if, if you ask a girl out through text messaging or Facebook, I will come find you. I will come find you. Because as a guy, there are so many ways now where guys wimp out and they're cowards and they don't take the initiative and don't take the risk of rejection because as a guy, you need to feel nervous. You should feel nervous. When I was, I'm an old timer. When I was your age, I'm like one of those guys where I'm like, we never had Facebook or text messaging. We had to do it in person, right? And so I don't want you getting off the hook on this. I'm not going to let you off the hook on this. And so you do it in person. You risk, you need to feel those butterflies in your stomach. Because if she's not worth that, then why are you asking her, right? You should feel those. You need to feel those. So it's got to be done in person. Don't cop out on this. So, uh, another uh, situation. Let's say you're in college, you're walking with God, she's walking with God, and you've asked her on a date. When it comes to, like, paying the bill, all right, intentional is, I've got this. It's on me. Unintentional is, uh, can you cover half the bill? I'm pretty broke right now. Unintentional, right? You're doing things halfway. So if you're like, but I can't, I, I can't, I can't afford, well, then you shouldn't be taking her out if you can't afford to pay the bill. That's the bottom line. All right, so next scenario, following up after a date, following up after a date. Intentional looks like, you know, I had a great time tonight and would definitely want to do this again. I will give you a call this week, right? It's intentional. Unintentional is, uh, yeah, I'll call you sometime. And she's left guessing, wondering, well, what, okay, what does that mean? What does that mean? So next thing, what about when it comes time to introduce her to your friends or your spiritual leaders, which does need to happen at some point. And you should have spiritual leaders in your life that you can introduce her to. So intentional looks like this. I've really enjoyed getting to know you. Would you like to have dinner with one of my leaders and his wife if he's married? Unintentional looks like, you know, I'm not sure if you really want to meet my friends just yet. And as this is listed in the blog, so I'm quoting this, but, um, and he quotes the famous comedian and part-time theologian Chris Rock. And he says, uh, he says, as Chris Rock says, if you have not met his friends, then you're not his girlfriend. All right. If you, if you don't know, if he's not letting you into that part of his life, then he is sort of cornering you off from that part of his life, and it would not be official at that point. So if you've, done, if you've gone past this point, now if things are going well, things are progressing, um, things are looking good, intentional looks like, okay, I think you're a godly, beautiful woman, and I have a great time with you. I'd like to pursue a relationship with you. Unintentional looks like, uh, so... What do you think about us? I mean, I don't know where I stand, but 
What about you? Right? So this guy is always deflecting things to this girl, never quite sure where he stands. Now, if you've really gone, uh, things have progressed, and you're really thinking this could be the girl. I mean, this, this we've been together for a year, two years, and this, this could be the one possibly. So if things are looking good for future things, uh, quote, unquote, intentional looks like this. Okay, I don't date for the sake of dating, and marriage is a long ways off, but I couldn't be happier with how things are going. I think you're amazing, right? You're letting her know where you stand with her. Unintentional looks like this. Yeah, things are going okay, I guess. We'll see, right? Once again, just leaving her hanging, and there's no intentionality to that statement. Now, we come to the end. So the end of a relationship is always the hardest thing to manage. And my recommendation is you just do it like an old Band-Aid. You just pull it off, scabs and all, and it hurts, but quick and easy, right? And so recognizing the end of a relationship, intentional for the guy looks like this. You know, I'm sorry, I just don't see this progressing past friendship. You're clear. You're clear. Unintentional looks like this. Over time, you just stop calling, stop texting, give her the cold shoulder, right? You've communicated nothing about your intentions or lack thereof. And so you, you can see that with this intentional, unintentional thing, that a lot of guys, especially well-meaning Christian guys, fall into this trap and doing things very unintentionally because no one's just ever told them about this. So the unintentional guy is selfish because he puts his needs before the woman's needs, and he's also fearful, and he can be a coward, right? He can be just scared to take charge of the relationship. Uh, Next slide, please. The man should always be able to answer three questions about any relationship that he is in. The first question is this. What is this relationship? And, And here's the deal. I know that it's not like whenever someone first starts dating or whatever, they they think, well, we don't want to define it because that might mess it up. Here's the deal. Either you define it in a stated way, you say it, or it's defined for you already. Everyone knows this to be true. That even the, the people who say things like, no, we don't want to define things. Well, if that girl or that guy goes and put their arm around someone else, what happens? They get very angry. And so it's already defined for you. So you might as well state what the definition is. So the guy and the girl need to be able to say, especially the guy, needs to be able to say, what is this relationship? Is it just a friendship? We're just friends. Or is this a relationship that, we, that I'm intending for it to be more than that? What is this supposed to be? And the definition of this, the answer to this question, should never be friends with benefits. Never. Okay? Ever. Should that be the definition or the answer to that question? What is this relationship? The second question he has to be able to answer is, what are my intentions? What are my intentions in this relationship? And the third question that he has to answer is, how am I demonstrating those intentions right now? So he's got to evaluate his behavior and his actions and his intentions and how he's acting right now towards her in that relationship, right? He's got to look at himself and how he's responding to her in that relationship. Now, the second point I want to make for the guys is this. Clean your act up today, not when. So in other words, some guys approach it like this. You know, 
when, when, when I get a girlfriend or when I get a fiance or when I get a wife or when I get kids or when I fill in the blank, that's when they think, that's when I'll get serious about following Jesus. That's when I'll get serious about my walk with God. Is That's when I'll grow up. Is when, when I get that, then I will. No, here's the deal. You have it reversed. You shouldn't get those things until you submit and surrender your life to Jesus. That's the first thing. You shouldn't get those things. God doesn't owe you that. I mean, if I was the, I am the father of a two-year-old. If any guy doesn't have this part of his life together, then the answer from me to him is no, with a shotgun, right? And so, so that will be my answer. If he's asking me to date my daughter, the answer will be no. And um, a, a girl is never going to motivate a guy to change. A lot of girls have this Messiah complex. I'm going to swoop in. I'm going to take care of him. I'm going to save him. No, only Jesus can save him. Only Jesus can save him. A, a guy's not going to, or a girl's not going to motivate you to change. If Jesus is not motivation for you enough, then how is she going to be motivation for you to change? There was a great quote. I'm going to apologize for this in advance, but there was a great quote in this guy's blog, and you'll see it on your, your, your copy there at the back in a little bit. Um, but he talks about how um, when you enter a relationship, I'll just read the quote. He says this, and he says the word crap like four times. I apologize, but here it is. He says, the truth is when you're in a relationship, you get their crap on top of your crap. That's double crap. It's hard to start a healthy relationship with two immature, two immature people drowning in crap. I couldn't have said it more perfectly myself, okay? So, so clean your act up today, not when, fill in the blank. Number three, plan ahead before you spend time together. The guy's job is to plan ahead before you spend time together. I don't mean that you got your Axe body spray on. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if you don't acknowledge your weakness with sexual temptation, you are going to fall. So that means you don't plan, you know, hey, are your parents home? No? Well, I'm coming over, right? You plan knowing, taking your weakness into account, saying, making wise decisions, saying, you know, I want to make sure we respect each other physically, so I don't want to put us in in difficult situations. So we don't hang out at your house unless your parents are home, and we don't we don't we're, we're sort of in the public areas of the house. Like you make plans for these kinds of things. You plan ahead. First Corinthians six verse eighteen says, "Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body." It's not saying that sexual sin is less forgivable because of the blood of Christ, but it is saying there are certain sins on this earth that have greater earthly consequences because of them, and sexual sin is one of them. It is one of the most entangling and snaring kinds. It is the most entangling and snaring kind of sin out there, and you know this to be true. You know it to be true. Number four, as a guy, you have to guard her heart. So you don't just guard your own heart. You actually guard her heart. What that means is that your first few times hanging out with her, you're not sharing every single deep emotional um, 
thing that you want to talk about. You're not, you're not going there just yet because you're wanting to guard her. You're wanting to guard her heart and, and take things slowly. You don't isolate yourselves. You, you don't cordon yourselves off as a couple. Isolate yourselves from your friends, from your spiritual leaders, and tune out the people that are trying to speak into your life. You, you, you don't do that as a couple, and the guy bears responsibility for that. You don't pursue her more than you're pursuing God. She doesn't become God to you. She doesn't become your God, your God replacement. And then number five for the guys, uh, the area of physical touch. There are two categories, if you look in Scripture, for, for females. So if you're a guy this morning, and, um, and if she is, uh, and there's a girl that you're interested in, there are two categories for females for you. She's either your wife or she's your sister in Christ. She's either your wife or she's your sister. In fact, in one of the books, one of the Timothys, I forget if it's first or second, but uh, Paul's writing to Timothy, and he says, he says, treat the young women in all purity as sisters. And I think Paul said the word sisters to freak out the men that he was writing to. To say, look, yeah, they're your sisters in Christ, so you better watch out. They're your sisters, right? Treat them in all purity. So there's two categories. Either she's your sister in Christ or she is your wife. And until she is your wife, she is your sister in Christ. Got it? You got the image there? Now listen, there are two categories, and I love the way he puts this in the blog. There are two categories of physical touch. The first is what we call acts of affection. The second is called acts of desire. Acts of affection. This would be if you're engaged with someone and you're really serious, I mean, you know, putting your arm around the person, giving them a hug, kiss them on the forehead, you're holding hands. I mean, those are acts of affection, right? I wouldn't say those are crossing the line into sin. Now, they might lead to that. You got to be careful. They might lead to that. You got to be careful. But acts of desire, I would say those have to be reserved for marriage. I'm not going to just, you guys know what these are, right? Any kind of act that stirs up sexual desire needs to be reserved for marriage. And the guy, whenever I talk to guys in our youth group and they're dating someone, one of the questions that I always ask is, okay, you tell me your plan. What's your plan? They're like, what, what do you mean? In the area of physical touch, what's your plan? Have you communicated? Like, look, here's my, here's my standards. I want to be biblical and godly about this. As the guy, it's your responsibility to take leadership and initiative in this area of your relationship. If you don't take that initiative, then you have failed as a man in that, in that relationship. So that's for the guys. Now for the ladies. i got to really make sure we move quickly through this. So now for the girls. And the guys can, can definitely, uh, um, the guys can't relax. No, no. The guys need to listen to this too. So here's for the ladies. And I have a, a full eight points for the girls. So listen up, girls. The first point I want to make is this. You are loved. All right? You are loved. Now, this might sound cliche, but Jesus loves you more than any guy ever can love you. You are already loved. I know your response to that is, but, but Jesus ain't asking me out to the prom, right? That's true. I'm not sure you'd want to go to the prom with Jesus. <laughs> but... 
you are, you are loved. You are loved. And I want you to know that. The second point I want you to hear is you are, follow this one, you are less beautiful than you think and more beautiful than you believe. And you're like, that's like a mind pretzel. What did you just do to me? You are, you are less beautiful than you think and more beautiful than you believe. What I mean by that is there is a tension here because sin at our core makes us ugly, right? But when we confess and we repent, we turn toward Christ in that, you can now rest in your identity in Christ, okay? So, so listen to this. Listen to this. The, the girl that wrote this blog, she said this. Next quote. True beauty emanates from a woman who boldly and unabashedly knows who she is in Christ. And it's true. It's true. Any guy who values um, the things he should value knows this to be true knows it to be true. Point number three, consider what controls you. What is it that controls you? What is it that's driving you? Is it really the love of Christ? Is it your identity in Christ or is it fear of loneliness? For you ladies, are you totally driven by this fear of no one's ever going to want me? No one's ever going to like me. No one's ever going to think I'm beautiful. Is it a fear of loneliness that's driving you and, and causing you to say yes to lots and lots of losers, right? Consider what controls you. Number four, address your daddy issues. Address your daddy issues. I know you kind of laugh at that, but I want to be serious about this point. Listen, if you are a young lady here and you don't have a dad or you don't have a strong godly dad, or you know what, there's a lot of girls even here that have a strong godly dad, but you still have daddy issues, right? Because no one's perfect. No one's perfect. But if that's you, you are often more vulnerable to making bad dating choices than those girls who might have that strong dad figure in their life. Because like I said last week, so many of you, it's like you're trying to fix what's broken in your family by just jumping into something prematurely. And so here's the way you fix your daddy issues. You have got to get to know the God who wrote this book. You have to get to know God as father. You have to get to know him as that because there is no other way to fix your dad issues. There's no other way to do it. You've got to get to know him, submit your life to him, because he is a better father than any earthly dad could ever be for you. He will fill in that gap. And then secondly, you need to get around people in the body of Christ, men who you respect, spiritual leaders who you respect, and, and, and see how they operate. See how they walk with God. See how they treat people. See how they treat ladies. And surround yourself with those kinds of people, and this will set you on the pathway towards healing, I think, in this area of your life. Number five. Charm and beauty are not a good dating plan. I love that one. What kind of guy do you want to attract? Do you want to attract a guy who values character, a guy who values who you are in Christ, or do you just want to try to be hot the rest of your life? Because a lot of ladies try to do that the rest of their life, and they end up having lots and lots of surgeries, lots and lots of tanning, lots and lots of makeup, and they're miserable. They're miserable. 
So what kind of guy do you want to attract? Because there are lots of ladies who are very attractive on the outside but have miserable marriages. What went wrong? What went wrong? I mean, that was a plan, right? What happened? Well, because they realized that they can't put all their stock in that. And, and so what kind of woman are you becoming? What are you becoming? If your aim is to get just any guy, then that's just what you're going to get. Uh, Proverbs 31, verse 30 says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Look at uh, number six. Surrender to Jesus before you date anyone. I, I can't tell you how many people I even see here at our church that it's like they claim to be a Christian. They say, yeah, I'm, I believe in Jesus. I, I trust Jesus as my Savior. And yet they're dating someone. This goes for guys and girls. They're dating someone who I know is not a Christian or doesn't even really pretend to be one. So before you choose to date anyone, you surrender your life to Jesus and you make sure that that's the pathway that he's on, because if not, it's going to be disastrous for you. It'll be disastrous for you. And then number seven, I love this one too, dress to kill your evil desires and his. Yeah, I know you first you're like, oh, sweet, I get to wear all kinds of, oh, your evil desires and his. Now, so what I love about this, though, is that it's okay, to be, it's okay to be pretty, to be feminine, to be fashionable, but you've got to understand that you've got to dress in such a way to put your own sinful flesh to death and to help him do the exact same thing, right? That should be your goal and your mission. And if anything is compromised there, then you're off track and you're, you're walking into sinful areas. And once again, what kind of guy do you want to attract? What kind of guy are you wanting to draw to yourself? And then the last point, uh, guard your heart. Guard your heart. You cannot elevate a guy to godlike status in your life. And many of you make decisions so quickly. You jump into relationships way too quickly. Um, you've got to learn to use wisdom, use discernment, and use the body of Christ to help you in those things. I mean, I would just love it if, if some of you ladies would, would come alongside our adult leaders and say things like, hey, this guy, he's asking me out. Like, how do you think I should handle it? Um, how should I tell him no, right? Um, ask them those kinds of questions because it is so important. It is so important for you to use the body of Christ in these kinds of issues. And I want to finish up with a quote from uh, our friend Tim Keller. And he said this in a talk that I heard this past week. And the main point I want you to get from this is what most of you think of as love isn't really love at all. It's not. At, at our age, at your age, what you think of as love is not really love. Here's what he says. He says, as I looked back on it when we first held hands, referring to his wife, before we were married, the initial thrill was electric, not so much from the magnitude of my love for her, but from the flattery of her choice of me. And that is so true because when you're at your age and, and, and it's like you're in a relationship with someone, the moment you touch, the moment you kiss, I mean, there's like these, yeah, obviously what he says is true. But here's the deal. You think that means you're in love with them. That's not love. That's not love. That's simply just being 
flattered by, oh my gosh, they chose me. Over everyone else, they chose me. And it feels good to be chosen, right? But that's not the same thing as love. It's not the same thing as love. Real love, true love is sacrificial. Real love, someone loves someone in a true, real way when they put Jesus first, the other person second, and yourself third. But many of us go about business to put ourselves first, our needs first. Jesus is not even in the equation, right? And so what most of us think of as love really, truly isn't love. Now, what I want to do um, to close out is, listen, you guys have like six questions at your tables. Pick your top three to make sure we stay on time here. And when you finish your discussion, I'm going to have Dan Fulmer on this side of the door over here with the handout for the guys. And I'm going to have Jesse Hagen on this side of the door over here for the handout for the girls. So girls, go through that door on your way out. Guys, through the door over here on your way out to get your handout in a moment. Go ahead and discuss. Three questions.